0: That you have. I'm so thankful that uh, we can celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ in this way. If you're visiting us, first of all, welcome to New Hokkien, Hawaii. Uh, if this is your first time to the islands, uh, welcome to the island of Hawaii. This is the big island. Uh, last service, we had people from Tennessee, uh, Sweden, Korea, Oahu. I figured join the Outer Islands. Uh, but we had people from all around the world, so God is sending people here. And if you're traveling, uh, thank you for being here, and we pray that you would have a wonderful Christmas season. Our uh, college students are home, so some of you are traveling. We just want to say welcome home, everyone. And, and for those of you who are traveling, welcome to New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. When I was thinking about... Uh, The night before Christ was born, and tonight we're going to talk about the night before Christ, I thought no one could truly fathom the significance about what was taking place. No one could really fathom what the birth of Jesus Christ was about to do. You know, there were prophecies and there were things that people kind of understood, but no one could truly understand everything except in retrospect, That's the only way they could truly understand what was really happening. And the night before Christ was born really sets up the day he was born and will teach us how we too can prepare our hearts as Christ comes into our lives and homes. We always prepare for something. We're preparing for tomorrow night. Many of you had to clean the entire house because people are coming over. And that's one of the reasons why some husbands love having parties at their house because the wives clean everything up and everything smells fresh and it's ready to go. Some of you have family members that are visiting, and uh, you got to get prepared for that one person in the family that you have a difficult time with. And and some of you are preparing how you're going to respond when they bring up the same thing over and over. Uh, Well, that's why we need Christ, because he's going to do some stuff in us. Some of us today was such an intense day. It was just one of those days that it was just intense, or this season may be intense for you. Uh, last night, if you're a football fan, for some of you, that was an intense game. Uh, some of you are holding on to playoff hopes. Some of you have no playoff hopes. So everyone is in their own situation when it comes to this season that we're dealing with right now. The question is, how is the night before Christ when he, before He visits you? What is that like? What is that moment before Christ does something in your heart? Because if the answer is, well, it's chaos, then you're going to learn tonight that sometimes it's in the midst of chaos that God does his greatest miracles. We know hurricanes here in Hawaii. We we had our fair share of hurricanes. We understand storms, and and here in Hilo especially, we understand rain. Now, I have four things that storms, uh, how storms are formed, and And basically, I'm just reading this. So storms, first of all, need warm, moist air as fuel. That's what helps get the storm going. And then as the warm, moist air is pulled up into the storm system, it leaves a low-pressure vacuum. And then from there, the air descends, drawn back toward lower altitudes by the very vacuum that it created in the first place. And what's important is that descending air becomes warmer and drier, which involves cooling and condensation, and so warm, dry air is relatively stable, and once it blankets a region, then it stabilizes in return, stabilizes that air. And that causes what we call the calm before the storm. So just to give you an illustration, now I'm not a geologist or a... uh, Whatever else, ologists there are. But I, I get some kind of artist. So these are clouds. So imagine this, that the dry air is pulled up. And then it heads through these storm clouds. And it comes back down into this, it's a more warm, dry air. And now you have this area that they call the calm before the storm. And it's just calm right here. And we see that happen when we're here in Hawaii. And sometimes you're in the middle of the hurricane, you know, that eye, and it's just so calm. It's because you're in that that vacuumed area, all that dry air, and you can feel the warm, that warm air. You know, you feel like, wow, why is it so hot? Well, because you're in the calm of the storm. The interesting thing about this is it's chaos around the calm. That's what's happening. It's complete chaos around everything that's going on. The night before Christ may seem like all is calm, all is bright, and we sing that. But God sent Christ in the midst of chaos. And we're going to take a look at that story in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, just that small portion, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Luke chapter 2, and I'll read from verses 1 through 6, but I'll I'll give a little bit of narration so that it'll maybe spark some uh, imagination and imagery. Verse, verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, if you study Rome and the Caesars, the, the Caesars that were ruling, Caesar Augustus now comes into rule, and they want to rule the world. They are the world's empire, and they want to conquer. But it's right at this time where... They're understanding there was a prophetic word that was given saying that there's going to be a king that is to be born. Now, there are two ways that you can stay the king. One is when you go to war, you defeat the other king. Or two, when there's a king to be born, you just kill him as a baby. So that's what was happening at that time. That's the feel that you got from Rome. This first census took place while Corinnaus was governing Syria. Now, Corinus was just like a... Uh, basically being used by Rome, by Rome kind of like a puppet just to keep things in order and peace and, of course, the rule. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now, wherever you're born, imagine you had to register to your city. I don't think we were all born in Hilo. So we have cars today and we can fly. They had animals and feet. Well, we can walk if we wanted to, but very few would. Can you imagine the intense pressure and chaos that was surrounding them right at this moment? Now, it it would be chaotic for us even today to drive, to fly. If all the flights are booked, then you have to go by boat. And if you can't get a boat, well, you jump in on canoe. And if you cannot get a canoe, well, you better start swimming because you need to be registered. So that's kind of the thing that they were going through. Now, Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, not just the intense pressure of to be registered, but you're traveling with a woman who is about to give birth. Have you ever been around a woman who is about to give birth? Have you ever been around a woman, period? <laughs> Much less give birth. So she's about to give birth. <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So it's, it's right on that time it's it's exact on that time where jesus is to be born into this world here's what's interesting about just this beginning story of christ coming into the world chaos surrounds us all the time and if you're taking notes the night before christ the night before he came chaos surrounded them and if we're ever going to learn anything we got to understand that chaos surrounds me all the time and you can write that in your first point That's what happens in our world. It surrounds us all the time. And although we would all love to have only calm moments, only peaceful moments or peaceful days, life has taught us otherwise. We've had our share of non-peaceful seasons or chaotic moments. I like how Tom Welling says that he's the actor, uh, the one that plays Superman in Smallville. He says, I have so much chaos in my life It's become normal. You become used to it. You have to just relax, calm down, take a deep breath, and try to see how you can make things work rather than complain about how they're wrong. Now, that makes sense to some degree, but then I thought, what happens after you take breaths? What happens after you try to see how you can make things work? What happens after that? I like this one, theologian. When adversity strikes, that's when you have to be the most calm. Take a step back, stay strong, stay grounded, and press on. LLQJ. <laughs> Another actor, Michael Caine, says, be like a duck, calm on the surface, but always paddling like crazy underneath. Now, here's the problem. Many of us are not like ducks. We're like fighting chickens. We, we're crazy under and over. So there has to be more to how we solve being in the midst of chaos when we want all to be calm. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And I like what the Bible is telling us. The Bible is telling us straight up That you're living in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And you might be thinking, I don't know anybody who is crooked or perverse. It's kind of, might be you. (laughs) If you don't know anybody. But the Bible is telling us, just do everything without complaining and arguing. It's so hard to do. Because we have differences. And we're going to have opposition. But this is the eve of Christmas. And here's what's interesting. Now, I'm not pointing people out, but some of you guys fighting right now. You're arguing right now. You're in a heated battle right now. You came to church mad. Like right in the parking lot. Why you got to park over here for? I got to walk far. What if it rain? What if after we... It's not raining right now. Park over there. I don't like parking. You know, who's driving? Who's driving? You like drive? Yeah, I like drive. Go drive there. You jump out of the car going 10 miles an hour. You're going to come into those... Seasons where you're gonna argue, you're gonna complain. But here's what the Bible is telling us. You gotta know that you're in that chaos. You live in a world with crooked and perverse people. But he said, knowing that, shine like bright lights. Shine like bright lights. So let's practice that. Let's just say you're mad. Just practice being mad. Some of you already, so don't no need practice. Just just be normal, just whatever you're doing. Just act like you're mad. You cannot write hard, so you're smiling, but just act mad. Just be like you're mad. Like, oh, I'm mad. Be like that. Be, I'm mad. I'm mad. Now smile. See? Look, bright lights. Some lights are dull, but that's okay. If you get into a situation where you're feeling like, oh, this is not working out for me, go in the mirror or go to the restroom, go look in the mirror and shine your light. Just shine. Try that. You probably are thinking, no, I'm going to be nuts. That's going to look crazy. I don't want to do that. The Bible is telling us it's a choice that we make because you're going to be in chaos. This is the most stressful time of the year. Chaos is surrounding us all the time. You know, within a week, you and I will receive five to maybe ten, maybe even more requests that people want your attention, they need help, they're asking you for something, or that brother or sister or family member or so-and-so calls you only when they need something, and then you have to deal with it. And you're wondering, how am I going to deal with this? Or someone says, hey, I like borrow $10, and you know they're not going to pay you back. It's like you, you have to deal with those things. You're surrounded by chaos. How are you going to respond we all have our share of chaos. It surrounds us all the time. And Jesus told us that it would be like that. But he says, but you can find peace and calm in the midst of chaos. John 16:33. he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You know what's so comforting about that? Jesus is saying, you're, you're going you're to come across things that you just can't do. And you're going to have a mindset that says, I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't have the time. Um, why are you always asking me for this? Why don't you help? Why don't you do this? And you're going to have that mindset. And Jesus said, hang on. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus says, I overcame them all. That you... You find your peace in me. That's why he's telling us this. That's why God sent his son in chaos. He's letting us know that peace is found not in the absence of chaos. It's found in the presence of the king. Because in the world, we're going to have chaos. We were preparing for our Christmas dinner and this was yesterday, and we have some errands to run, and something was wrong with our couch. I think something broke, and so Heidi said, can you check that? And so I did. I opened up the couch. Sure enough, something broke. So I said, well, we have some options. Either I can try and fix it now, but we got errands to run, or I can do as best as possible and then do it later. And she goes, well, just work on it, and then we'll see where we are. So I tried. I couldn't get it to work. What I found out was because of the springs, it keeps pulling the wood back so it couldn't go in its groove. So after a while, I'm so frustrated. I'm sweating at this point. And I, I just finished taking a shower. I'm done. I'm ready to go. I'm trying to figure this out. And you know how you get so frustrated, you start talking to the thing? That's where I was at. I was like, why? Why aren't you working? How come you can't? You should be able to go in the groove. It's simple. You go in the groove. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I cannot, and many of us have taken that out of our vocabulary, you know, I can't uh, quit and all of that, but at this point, I was saying, it's being reintroduced, I cannot do that. And then, so I asked Heidi for help. Uh, So I'll just condense the story. She helped, and then she didn't help. So I had to figure out, how was I going to do this? And so I walked away from it. I said, I cannot. And the moment I said I cannot, I, I spoke to myself. So not only was I schizophrenic and then insane, I was insanely schizophrenic. I started talking to myself. I said, no, 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 you're not leaving. You're not quitting because Loxena's no quit. You will find a way to do this. That's right, I'm going to find a way. I was grumbling at myself, and I won that one. So I came back to it, and all I did was just screw it back in and do it as best as I could, put it back together, and I said, Heidi, test them. Test the couch. See if it feels better. And she goes, I ain't testing it. What if I sit on it and it breaks? I'm not going to be the first to break it. You sit on it. So I did. I sat on it, and it was good. I said, Heidi, sit down. She sat on it and was good. Now, when a husband fixes something and the wife is happy about it, we brag about it. I slept 1.30 that night, but before I went to sleep, I said, so uh, how's the couch? Who didn't who in, who in fix the couch? Wasn't the repair guys, eh? What? Who didn't fix your couch? You did, Daddy. <laughs> it, we, to me, we had to fix the thing. Because we had to prepare for our Christmas dinner. We're all preparing for something. And it's, it's interesting that right before something great is about to happen, chaos strikes. Right before... The moment that Christ was born, there was chaos. But he came in the midst of chaos. As much things as you need to do, and as much that we have to finish, or get done, can you write this in, number two? This will help the night before Christ. Take care of one thing at a time. And This is what we learned from the night before Christ was born. To take care of one thing at a time there are going to be many things that we will need to prepare for as we wrap up this year. I want to give you 10 simple things, 10 traits to a peaceful home. Now, you might be thinking, I can't write 10, I can't remember 10. Just take one. Okay, I'm going to go through the list of 10. Just take one. Okay? And don't point at the person next to you like, hey, you should take that one. You need seven of them, you know. You need more than one. Just one at a time. The first one, Speak kindly. Like speak to your spouse how you speak to your friends. Unless you snap at your friends. (laughs) Think of who you speak to the most pleasant and then speak like that to the people you don't. So speak kindly. Second one, gather regularly. Like with family or for your meals or even for prayer or just to hang out. Just gather regularly. Okay, that's the second one. The third one, laugh often. Laugh often. Okay? Do you have a hard time laughing, look at the person next to you. They're going to help you laugh right now. Just try it. Just look at them. I know some of you are still mad, so it's hard to laugh. That's okay. The fourth one is to work cheerfully. This is not working cheerfully in the kitchen. Oh, I gotta fix all this kind of stuff. I didn't even know those people, you know. I gotta cook all this kind of stuff. I don't know when asked me for cook this. Who made the rice? Nobody making rice. Nobody helping making rice. Well, all you guys are gonna do is sit around and watch TV. That's what you gonna do all day, sit around and watch TV, okay? Well, I'm gonna make everything. I gotta make the turkey too. I went raise the turkey. I gotta kill the turkey too. So just work cheerfully, cheerfully. Okay, give generously. Give generously of your time. Of your love towards each other, give generously. Here's one that, I'm just saying, this is a good one. Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. When someone does something, and especially during this time, just forgive quickly. Number seven. Hug freely your family members. And when you hug freely, doesn't mean too much just want to make that clear be hugging someone too long what are you doing oh the church said for hug you Uh, I'm sure you know that in context your loved ones Uh, number eight pray frequently pray frequently now, some of us do pray frequently, but it's the, the kinds of prayers that, God, help me, God, please, God, help me. Or you see somebody, oh, God, help them. So it's not that kind of prayer. It's, it's prayers that, that are genuinely connecting with God. Number nine, cheer loudly. Cheer loudly. We're celebrating Christ's birthday. So cheer loudly. Some of you, I know you, so you don't really have to work on this one. You are already loud. So find another one. Work on that one. But here's the last one, and this is, this is one I think we all can work with. It's to love genuinely. And the Bible tells us that love will cover a multitude of sins. So love each other genuinely. Okay, so those are 10 traits for a peaceful home. I like how Benjamin Franklin says it. He says, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. We're preparing for something, and if, if we do fail to prepare, we're going to, we're going to, Prepare to fail. With everything that you're doing tonight and tomorrow, and even into the next year, you're always preparing for something. Luke two seven. Mary gives birth, and she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. I'm thinking. We have a difficult time in the hospital. They're in a stable. There's no there's no crib ready for her baby. They don't have onesies, Pampers or Loves, Huggies. They had hay and strips of cloth and a manger, a feeding trough. This is where animals feed out of. This is where where dirty, filthy animals live. Talk about chaos. But that's where he was born. In the midst of chaos came the Savior. There's nothing like preparing for a child to be born, is it? I mean, I remember when my youngest son, Jordan, was born. This is in 1994. We just purchased a brand new car, a Honda Accord. Brand new. Because we're thinking, okay, well, we already had our firstborn son, and he was six years old. So now here's the other one coming, and so we need a different car, we need some car seats. And so we're thinking, how are we going to do this? Well, we had to get a brand new car. That night, on the night he was born, someone either banged my car or I banged something that I did not know of in two places. And I didn't notice until the next day. So I couldn't blame Heidi because she wasn't driving, so it was my fault. And I just had to take the blame. And, and I thought, okay, we're trying to prepare the home. We're preparing the room, we're preparing the baby stuff, we're also preparing the brand new car. And in all of this chaos, not everything went according to plan. By the time we bring our son home, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Whether or not we're ready, the baby has been born. We're always going to have something to prepare for when God is bringing something that valuable when God sent us the savior he already prepared the world now you may think well why didn't why, didn't he, why wasn't Christ born in like a palace or was it, why wasn't he born in some a better place because God the master illustrator showed us that in the midst of chaos a king can arise in the midst of our chaos Christ can do something magnificent. It's not the surroundings that makes it grand or glorious. It's what God brings that turns everything else glorious, even if it doesn't look that way. It's not our situations. It's who comes into our situation. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. And so he brought us his son. Because here's the last thing. There's always something to prepare for. Always. Always something to prepare for. We take one thing at a time, but there's always going to be something to prepare for. Did you know that God will always prepare us for his arrival? He will always do that. If you read throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to read that there was always something that prepared Christ before Christ came. And even before God does something great in our lives, he prepares us. John the Baptist said it well, too, in John three twenty-eight, He says, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. That's what John the Baptist came to do, to prepare the way for Christ. By the time Jesus shows up and John the Baptist says, I am not the Messiah, he is. Now everyone has to shift to him. Well, John gets arrested and he actually gets beheaded. But before he does, he has to double check one more time and he he tells his disciples, can you just... Can you ask Jesus, is is he the one? Or do we look for someone else? Imagine the doubt that John was going through. Well, they report to Jesus what John asked, and Jesus says, tell them what you witness. And they come back, oh, the blind see the lame are healed. And John is satisfied because he prepared the way for Christ to do what he was doing. Right now, you may be feeling like I don't, I don't know what season I'm in. I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling. I, I like the season of Christmas, but boy, the, the, the family and, and where we're at, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. I just deal with what I got to deal with. I, I feel like sometimes I'm in the midst of a storm, but it, sometimes it's calm, sometimes it's not. But there's more, more for us to look forward to when we understand that God will always prepare us before he does anything grand in our lives. So the question is, what is happening in your life right now that you may feel like, whoa, God is trying to get my attention? He is preparing me. For what, I don't know. All I know is I just sense that God is trying to get my attention. You might be one of those who are saying, well, why would God want to grab my attention? Why doesn't he just leave me alone? Why doesn't he just be God and I can do what I'm going to do? Well, first of all, God loves you enough to pay attention to you because he wants a relationship with you. But God tries to grab our attention because he wants us to be in a relationship with him. He wants us to get to know him because he has greater things in store for us for the future. That's what Christmas brings. It brings us hope and a future. He's always preparing a place for us, but not only here on this earth, but he also prepares a place for us for eternity. I like how he says it in John 14, too. Jesus says, there is, there is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Jesus himself says, There's a place that is being prepared for you. That all this time that we're here on this earth and we feel like God doesn't understand or, or God may not be there or, or I'm okay with my relationship with God. He's saying, I'm, I'm preparing a place for you so that when you get here, And you see your home, it'll be perfect. And you will love your new home. He says, I prepare a place for you. I used to have a difficult time preparing for Christmas or Christmas dinner because I'm I'm not really the cook. And uh, Heidi loves to cook or she'll choose to cook our Christmas dinner. And like anyone who cooks, when you're cooking, you don't want nobody else in the kitchen. Because either they're in the way or they're trying to help. And then they become in the way. But if you don't know how to gently kick them out, then they're going to be in there thinking they're helping. And that's the most difficult ones to deal with because you're trying to cook and they're saying, oh, I can help you. Yeah, yeah, I can help you. I'll go go cut that for you. No worry, I get them. I'm cutting them. And they're cutting it not like how you want it. And they're helping you, they're doing whatever they need to because they want to help. But in your mind you're thinking, I, I, I don't want you to help. Help, don't help. But now I love our Christmas dinners because it's like that, that season of our life where it's, it's different. It's just a different season. It's like God was constantly preparing us for the next season, the next season, and the next season. He always prepares us when he's about to do something great. And if you look at life, and if you can kind of carp- compartmentalize your life into different seasons, you're going to be able to find that God is always trying to do something great in that season. Sometimes we fight it. Sometimes we cooperate with God. But maybe he's preparing for something right now. Maybe, maybe a new home and you're preparing for that, or a new baby. Maybe, maybe you just got a, a brand new baby, and you're, you're trying to prepare for that next season, and, and schedules are chaotic, communication is zero, and you're trying your very best to make it work, or maybe the new job, you're, you're preparing for that, or a new season of life. Maybe it's a new relationship, or, or maybe you're preparing to make the greatest life change with God himself. And maybe it led up to this day where God is saying, I want to do the greatest thing that you would ever see in your life, but I'm preparing you for it. And maybe you've been fighting it all this time, and God is saying, I am about to do something great in the midst of your chaos. And maybe he wants to do what only he can do. You know, even though there was no room for Mary and Joseph and the Son of God at the inn. I, I pray tonight that we would make room for the Savior that wants to do something great in the midst of a storm and chaos, but that he will do something so powerful. You may be in a great season right now, but even still, God wants to take you to that next level. He wants to do something great in your life. I want to give you the second part of preparing for a brand new baby because our, our second-born... Jordan, uh, we could prepare for that. We're a little bit older. Uh, That was in 1994. So we're a little bit, you know, prepared for that season. Our first child, I was 15 years old, and Heidi was 16 years old. We really couldn't prepare for that one because it was just that season of our life. But I remember when when trying our best to, you know, make it work, and we were living on Oahu, and we were trying our very best to figure this out. It's like there was, there was no, no options. And it felt like our world was caving in. We felt like there was going to be no hope, that there was no future for us. And so in 1988, when we had our firstborn, First of all, my mom didn't know. I kept it from my mom because, well, one thing, she can get crazy, so I didn't want to, you know, give her that kind of news at that time. But Heidi's family, especially Heidi's parents, they knew. But they thought my mom knew because I told them that I told my mom. So I'm at my house, and Heidi's at in the hospital and i get a phone call late at night and so i answer the phone and it's heidi's mom and she goes oh i just want to let you know that uh heidi gave birth and my mom is next to me and i said oh okay and my mom doesn't know at this point so i said oh, okay and she goes oh yeah so just wanted to let you know let your mom know that you know uh heidi gave birth and so he's healthy and everything's good and i said okay thank you and i hung up the phone and of course, my mom asked the question, Yeah, who's that? And I don't know what I said. I know I lied. Uh, I don't know what I said. And, and, and then that was it. And every day seemed like eternity because I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know what life was going to be like. You know, you're just unsure. And I waited a week to tell my mom because I didn't know how she was going to respond. She's a single mom, and she's already stressed out. She would tell us. Plus, she would say, you always give me a heart attack, and you know, you're stressing me out. I got to take my pills. So I, I had that in my mind. So my sister found out, and she told my mom. And then when my mom and I talked about it, uh, it, it didn't get any better. In fact it got worse and even more I thought now what 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 am I gonna do it's like there's nowhere to turn and then Heidi moved from Oahu to the Big Island and I had to graduate before I moved up here so when I graduated and I moved up that didn't go well with my mom because I opted out of college full ride scholarship and I said I want to move to the Big Island and be a dad and she didn't like that at all. And then the deal was I had to go to church if I was going to stay with them. And I was thinking, I don't want to go to church, especially with knowing my past. But then I stepped into church, and then, and then I met Jesus. And I understood... How God could send the Savior into chaos. And when I fast forward the tape 25 years later, the hope that God gives to us in the midst of chaos is beyond your wildest dreams, more than you would ever possibly imagine or even expect. the night before Christ the night before Christ was born we all are in chaos but that's the whole point to the Savior He wouldn't be the Savior if we didn't need saving God so loved the world you and I that He gave and with that gift he said, I will never leave you, and I will definitely not abandon you. And he made that promise for all eternity. Wherever you are in life, whatever chaos surrounds you, it's really not going to matter at that point, because we have a Savior. All is calm, and all is bright. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, thank you for the Savior. Thank you for giving us hope in chaos. That even though our surroundings can be chaotic, even though we may be in situations that seem hopeless, the whole reason why you came was to give us hope. That we live in a crooked and perverse world But you have overcome the world and peace is found in you. I know that there may be some here tonight that they don't know you. And they have yet to give their hearts to you and accept you into their lives. But they don't know how to. They don't know what to do. And maybe they're in that season of feeling like no one cares. Feeling like there's no way out. Feeling like there's no hope left. But you have proven that by sending us the Savior in the midst of chaos. The night before you were born, it was chaos. And if you're here tonight and you're saying, I, I want to give my heart to Christ, I, I want to I seal my eternal destiny, that God would prepare a place for me in heaven. And if that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, would you just lift a hand and you're saying, I want to give Christ my heart tonight. Good. Anybody else? Good. God sees your hand. God bless you. Right here. bless you. You too. God bless you. bless you. Back there. Right here. God bless you. Over here. God bless you. Good. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. You put your hands down. We can all say this prayer together, but especially for those that you're giving your heart to Christ for the first time. And here's the prayer. You just add the heart. Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. and Wash me clean. I believe in you. That you died for my sins. Make me brand new. I will live for you. I thank you for being my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray with every head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're a believer, you're a Christian, you're someone who believes in Jesus, you've given your life to Christ. Maybe you're saying, I don't know where I am, what season I'm in, I don't, I don't know what's surrounding me. Maybe it's a calm season, maybe you're in a chaotic season. But maybe you're saying, I, I, I want to be close to God, I want to be close to the Savior. And there are situations and circumstances surrounding me that I'm, I'm not too sure of but I want to I welcome the Savior into my chaos because he may be able to do something grand with something that I'm not able to do anything with. And if you're saying, I, want to be, I just want to be close to Christ, would you just lift a hand? And you're saying, I, I want to be close to the Savior. Good, many hands. Just hold them up. That's just a response of what God is saying. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for all of us tonight how grateful we are that you have come to save us, not just from sin and separation from you, but that we live in a crooked and perverse world. But we can take heart because you have overcome the world. Lord, we thank you the night before Christ was born, before you were born, that we celebrate tonight and then we celebrate your birth tomorrow, that you are already here, that you are with us. And so we pray for our loved ones, that you would keep them safe, help our families to be stronger and our relationships to be tight, that we would love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and enjoy this night as well as tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said amen.